0: You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. What a morning God has given us so far. He is worthy. I heard on a podcast episode recently, there was this guy who was trying to prove how gullible we are. How we just believe stuff because this random person said so. How gullible we are as a society and as a culture. So just on his own, he did his own little research project. It wasn't funded or anything. He just got some groups together and he got the first group together and told them, I got these from Publix. These are eclairs. Does anybody like these? Anybody fan? Okay, good. And he said that studies have shown that if you eat one of these a day, you'll lose weight. I'm like, wow, sign me up. And the whole group, guess what they said? They're like, dude, get out of here. I'm like, give me a break. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So we got a new group together. And he brought them to his house and he got his eclairs and he said, a study at and name this like state school somewhere like Eastern Kentucky. I mean, like Eastern Kentucky, where you get excited when you find out your cousin's single, right? I mean, that kind of place. And, sorry, and (laughs) he said, studies at Eastern Kentucky have shown that eating one eclair a day will help you lose weight. And they were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No way. All of them, false. Then he had one last group he got together. And he was able to convince them again, three separate groups that this study was real because he mentioned a certain college. You know what college he mentioned? TCC. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Hey, TCC people, FSU admissions might not love you, but Jesus does. Never forget that. Never forget that. (laughs) He told them that studies at MIT have shown that if you eat one eclair a day that you'll lose weight and everyone in the room believed him simply because here's your eclair since you raised your hand simply because they said it was from MIT like we really are that gullible one news clip One person on TV just throwing this random college out there that's very prestigious. Everybody's like, oh, let's go to Publix and get eclairs. Forget Weight Watchers. I'm going one eclair a day because MIT said so. Well, I'm going to introduce you this morning to who I would say are the 12 least gullible people on the face of the earth. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says this, and I want to make clear for you brothers and sisters the gospel I preached to you, which you received, the good news of Jesus. You've received this, what he's done for sinners, by which you have taken your stand. This is the reason for your life now, he says, and by which you are being saved if you hold to the message I preached to you unless you believed in vain. He said, I want to echo this and celebrate this good news of the gospel that you've believed sincerely. Hopefully you haven't believed in vain. Hopefully you actually really believe this stuff to be true. And then verse three, for I passed on you as most important. The Bible says something's the most important. I really wanna pay attention. Like I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I wanna lock in and pay attention. The Bible says, this is the most important thing. What I also received it's an us thing, it's a we thing, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The most important thing we can believe as Christians to get us out of the gates is that we are sinners who need to be reconciled to God. That we have violated God's law, we have sinned against him and our holy God who created us to know him and to love him and to worship him. We said to him, God, no thanks, I don't wanna worship you, I wanna worship me, I wanna worship your stuff instead. Well, any God who's worth his salt, there's only one true God. The scriptures tell us over and over again, can't let sin or rebellion go unpunished. He doesn't just shrug his shoulders or say no big deal or try harder next time or I know your heart, buddy, it's okay. No, he punishes sin. We're told the wages of sin is death and that sounds pretty reasonable for a treasonous act against our creator, but God is also a merciful God. And rather than punishing us as our sins deserve, as we sung about all morning, Jesus, who never sinned, was punished in our place, took on the death penalty that we should have been receiving. And if we put our faith and hope in the death of Christ in our place, we are forgiven, reconciled to God, made new. Your past is no longer held against you. You're made a new person. So don't feel guilty coming to church. Don't feel shameful coming to church. Because if you put your hope in Jesus Christ, that terrible record you have of sins is erased. It's gone, you're a new creation, a new person, and how can we actually believe that it works? Well, after he died for our sins according to the scriptures, he was buried, he actually died. He was buried, put him in a tomb, rolled a stone over it. And then it gets interesting. He says also under the category of most important things that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Happy Easter. Proving for all that he was the one he claimed to be, showing the sacrifice was acceptable to God that death has now been overcome and defeated. He lived a life that we couldn't live on our behalf, a perfect life. He died a death that we deserve, then he rose on our behalf and now and the same is true for all Christians. When our lives, our trust is put into Christ and this is what Paul calls the gospel, the good news, and what Jesus has come to do, he says, we are raised to a new life. We were dead, but now we've been made alive in Christ. And then he wants to make sure they understand that these aren't some gullible people believing this who think an éclair once a day makes you lose weight because MIT said so. He says this, he appeared to Cephas, also known as Peter, then to the 12, the 12 disciples. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. He's like, and guess what? Most of them are still alive. In other words, go ask them. But some have fallen asleep, which is their way of saying they've died. Then he appeared to James, then to all The apostles, like he actually died, went into a tomb, was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to Peter, and then to the 12, and then to the 500. He's like, what other evidence do you need? You might go, that might be a made up story. That's a Claire from NIT, make you lose weight. Well, maybe Paul anticipated that, that we reading this so many years later, a letter written to an actual church in Corinth but right the actual word of God that would be delivered once and for all to the saints. Maybe he anticipated that, so he wanted to make sure that they knew and that all the readers later would know that he appeared to the 12. Well, you are the 12. I wanna tell you about these guys. This here is Peter. The same Peter who, when Jesus was arrested, denied that he even knew him because he didn't want to be associated with him. How embarrassing. I've given my life to follow a guy who claimed to be the Messiah, and now he's dead? How embarrassing. It's going to ruin me professionally, personally. I'm going to have passive-aggressive tweets sent about me. It's going to be terrible. You know how Peter died? He was crucified upside down as a martyr, because he didn't see himself worthy to be killed the same way that Jesus was killed. From denying to dying a martyr's death. This is Andrew. He was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Imagine that just for a moment, what that would be like. Next we have James, the son of Zebedee, also known as James the Older, that'd be kind of offensive, he was put to death with stones and a sword because of his faith. Stones and a sword is how he died. Now we see John, the John who wrote some books of the Bible, a disciple of Jesus, he was exiled to an island like castaway before it was castaway. Like survival shows before they were cool. John wrote the book of Revelation from the island where he was exiled, but that was his fate. He was sent off to exile to die. Next, we have Bartholomew, crucified, whipped, and beheaded because of his faith. Next we have Philip, who was also crucified upside down. We have Thomas, who's famously known as Doubting Thomas. He didn't believe that Jesus rose again, and then Jesus showed him his nailed scars, and he wanted to be a great missionary to India and to take the gospel to the world. He was speared from doubting to being speared because of what he believed. We have James. Son of Alphaeus, also called James the Younger in church history. He was also crucified. We have Matthew, a tax collector who was converted to Christ. This is not tax collectors like today who like help you out on April 15th. These guys back in the day were viewed the sinners of the sinners. They were kind of a reverse Robin Hood. They would prey on poor people, overcharge them by the authority they had, and pocket the money for themselves. Even today we still see people that prey on the poor as pretty bad people, right? Well, Matthew came to faith in Christ and he wound up being burned at the stake for his faith. Next we have Jude, crucified and speared. Simon, crucified. Then we have Matthias who became a disciple later but was a witness to the resurrection which was a requirement to be one of the 12 apostles. He replaced Judas, he was killed with stones. All these things happened after Jesus rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven and the church began to spread in areas where they did not want the name of Jesus to go forward. Let's be honest and let's be real. These are the most gullible, tragic people in the history of the world if they were willing to die the way they died because of the name of Jesus Christ. They should be pitied, considered a tragedy, unless something took place. See, the Bible's very self-aware about itself. Here is Paul writing about being one of the witnesses to Christ's resurrection. Paul saw him spiritually, but the rest of these men actually saw, he appeared to the twelve. He appeared. They actually saw him. And he says this, if Christ has not been raised, as in if Easter is a farce, if it's fake, if it's made up, if it's just a tradition, then our proclamation is in vain. And here's these words, so is your faith. Your faith is in vain, and you died a meaningless, torturous death for no reason if there's no Easter. Moreover, as I'm gonna dig in and keep going, he's saying, we are found to be false witnesses about God, like we're liars, because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise if, in fact, the dead are not raised. So we're also lying about heaven, he's saying. For the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and here's the worst part, you're still in your sins. If he's not the Messiah, if he's not the one, you are still under God's just punishment for the sins you've committed against him. We have no amazing grace song to sing. Because we're not under that grace, we're under God's punishment and his just wrath. Paul's owning this. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ, in other words, people who have already died as Christians, that could be your grandfather, your husband, your friends, all the saints who have gone before us, have also perished, as we have nothing to to look forward to or to give hope towards at a funeral. If we put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. What a lame hobby Christianity is. If it's just a tradition or a hobby, I mean, like, can't we come up with something that's a little more demanding on our lives? He says they should be pitied more than anyone. As Mr. T would say, I pity the fool who believes this made-up fairy tale. And Paul wrote this, and why are we in danger every hour? If there's no resurrection, then... He says, I face death, verse 31, I face death every day. Why would I do this if it isn't true? And you might go, hold on here, like, okay, I get this, and these are historic facts of how these guys died, and uh, like they followed Jesus around. They're the ones that saw him from the beginning when he first called them to himself and to follow him. They were right next to him for three years, and guess what happened when he died? They took off. They went out of here. And you might say, okay, but you're talking about their deaths, but I mean, people die all the time because of religion. That doesn't mean it's true. I mean, people flew airplanes into the World Trade Center because of their radical views of their religion. Like, that doesn't make it true. Here's the difference. And it's a serious one. People today who commit religious acts like that are willing to martyr, martyr self-martyr themselves in terrorism, and I martyr in, in quotations. They were indoctrinated and brainwashed in schools and camps since they were children. Generations later, these people saw it with their own eyes. No one had to teach them, no one had to convince them. They saw their Lord die. Then they pieced out and went, "Oh my gosh, we have been scammed. They wouldn't even mention Jesus' name. I mean they're getting out of town. I mean, it was like, 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 we don't talk about Jesus. No, no, no. You think Bruno's bad? But something happened. He appeared. And it might have been unexplainable, but it was undeniable. And their memories start to go a little bit and start to turn because Jesus told them these things. He told them he'd be crucified. He told them that you could tear this temple down and they'll be rebuilt in three days. They didn't get it at the time. But once they understood And it all began to make sense and they actually saw their Lord and Savior alive. Then the empty tomb for their lives, it changes everything about everything for everyone who would believe. Easter changes everything about everything for all who would believe. More self-awareness. Paul in verse 32, the dead are not raised then who cares? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. This was YOLO before there was YOLO. Paul's saying you only live once. If all this stuff isn't true, not only are they tragic figures, but you go live it up. You're not accountable to anyone or anything. There's no heaven. Get it all out of your system now. But Tim Keller, pastor in New York, said this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything that he said? Like, why would you care? Call him a moral teacher, call him a philosopher. I actually wouldn't even give him that much credit because he sounds like he's a liar. The claims he made about himself, if it's not true, maybe he's a crazy man, as C.S. Lewis once said. Either he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or maybe he actually is Lord. And let me tell you what, these 12 guys believed it with all of their hearts, not because they were brainwashed, not because it was grandma's faith, but because they saw him die and rise again. And we're recipients of that good news. We started from the beginning of our service today, the hymns, we read the creed, hymns from different centuries, passed down and passed down and passed down. And people say we're seeing a generational crisis when it comes to the faith, because we're seeing families that now just sort of assume the gospel. They're sort of indifferent about it. They're not atheists, they're not agnostics, but they're just kind of everything else seems to be more important while still claiming the faith. And here's Paul is saying that nothing now is more important than your faith if Jesus is alive. That nothing is more important, that it now it drives everything, everything. <coughs> Excuse me. He asked this question, kind of out loud rhetorically. After he makes the case, he says death has been swallowed up in victory. So where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? As in these guys can have our feelings hurt for them, maybe we feel sorry for them, but they don't feel sorry for themselves. Why, because they know the death that they died for their faith is a temporary death. Because because of Easter, that heaven is a real place where real people go. So I'm not gonna deny they're saying, you can cut my head off, they're saying you can crucify me, you can stone me, you can do whatever you need to do. I don't want that to happen to me. I'm not inviting it, but I'm not gonna deny what I know to be true. You think I'm crazy because I'm willing to die for my faith. I think you're crazy that you're not worshiping someone who was dead and now came back to life again. Guys, this is not a hobby. This is not a superstition. This is not get the kids back to church to help their morals. This is the savior of the world who has made himself available to you if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him. Like, well, and here's and here's the thing. Most likely, and I'm really thankful for our freedoms here. I'm really grateful. And in our great country, I'm so thankful. We won't have to die because of our faith. Like they did. But can we at least live for our faith? Can we at least live for it? He says the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The law of God is not a bad thing, it's a good thing, but it shows us our inability to keep it and our need for Jesus. He says this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over what ultimately? Death. These men have victory over death because they believe and receive this gospel by faith. They don't have victory over death because they were martyred. They're not saved by their works. They have victory over their death because of what Jesus accomplished for them by his death and resurrection. And now they were unashamed of it because they considered themselves crazy to not. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, He's writing this to church, to a church. Be steadfast, immovable, as in don't budge. The secular culture is gonna always want you to give and give and give on the things the scriptures say, but you have 12 guys up here, an entire history of the church, and a local church for yourself that all says together it is worth it because he is risen. He says always excel in the Lord's work. If you're a Christian, all work you do is the Lord's work. You don't have to get a paycheck from a church to be in ministry. Every person in here that claims the name of Jesus is in ministry because you represent the risen Christ every single day. And here's that taking it back and kind of landing the plane, he says, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He said, without a resurrection, vain, pointless, pity the fool. With a resurrection, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because of a r- resurrection, everything he says about himself is one hundred percent true. So these people right here were not brainwashed. They weren't just aligned with some tradition. I Even mean, tradition can be a great thing. These are witnesses. To what we came together this morning to celebrate that Jesus Christ is alive. The least gullible people on the face of the earth. I almost say, they, even though they had these horrible deaths, they kind of actually had it sort of easy. They saw him. But then he appeared to over 500 people who were still alive. And Paul's saying, Go ask them. That's why he included that example of who are still alive. And guess what? They went on to start the church. They'd have some of their own families kick them out because of their faith. Many of them would go on to die martyrs' deaths as well, actually, most of them. But the faith lived on, and the church was built because a tomb is no longer occupied, which means the entire story of the scriptures that points to his name is 100% reliable and 100% true and is worthy of us saying, Jesus, here's my life. They're willing to die for their faith. Will I live for mine? Will I live for mine? In our city, I love Tallahassee, I'm from here. I graduated from high school in this building. Did anybody else? Yeah, here we go, okay. I know you Lincoln students probably took five years, but everybody else is all good. In Tallahassee, I love living here, love raising my family here, I wanna be a pastor here the rest of my life. We have a problem. And it's so many people would claim to be Christians, but their reason for believing so has nothing to do with what we just read about in 1 Corinthians 15. It's cultural rather than convictional. It's a generic belief in God. I try to be a good person and my Nana reads the Bible every day. Thank God for Nanas who read the Bible. Shout out to Nanas real quick. Okay. But God's not gonna ask you about her. He's gonna ask you about you. Either we stand as people who are still under the just punishment for our sins or we stand before as people who are forgiven because we trusted in Jesus rather than ourselves. And that Keller quote, and it's not Bible, it's just a man, but if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. I mean, Paul's owning in 1 Corinthians, if he didn't rise from the dead, don't listen to anything he said. What would it look like if starting in this room today, we'd have a bunch of perfect people or religious snobs or judgmental people walk out of here, but people whose lives are changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Change, where it's no longer a cultural thing or a hobby or an obligatory thing or I gotta impress my girlfriend's parents or whatever it might be. Rather we say, wow, I actually do believe that Jesus is the one he claimed to be and I might not have all my questions answered right now but I'm gonna believe that. And we'll call it a starting point and then we'll help you build from there. We got a care room back in the lobby. Maybe when the last song begins or maybe after the service is over when we say amen, I'd love for you to go back there and if, if someone brought you, okay, hey, could we go back there for a minute? Lunch ain't that important. You can come share the, the clear up here that I gave away. And make an actual decision to love the one who first loved you. To receive the one who has invited you first. To not set aside the grace of God, but to claim it and to believe it and to respond to it because Jesus rose from the grave. Crucified upside down, X-shaped cross, so, uh, stones and swords, exiled, crucified, whipped, beheaded, crucified upside down, speared, crucified, burned at the stake, crucified and speared, crucified, killed with stones. Why were they willing to do something so crazy? Because of Easter Sunday. We're just asking you to believe, to turn from your sins and to turn to Christ. He's worth it because he's alive right now. And one day he will come again. Let's surrender to Jesus. Let's see Tallahassee never be the same because of what happened in this building this morning. Because we believe this stuff to actually be true. They died for their faith that they saw for themselves. Will you live for the one you claim to have? I'm talking to myself first and then to all of us. Happy Easter, let's pray together. Let's stand. Don't miss that opportunity, please, to talk to somebody today. Don't wait. Do not wait. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of matters of what you said are first importance in your word that Jesus died for our, the forgiveness of our sins. We are so thankful that he died the death that we deserved. Lord, I know there are still those in this room who are still under the penalty of death because they have not trusted in Christ to be the sacrifice for them. Open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts. Let them trust in you today. We're thankful that it's not based on anything we have done, but based on what Jesus has done. We have failed miserably in our attempts to make ourselves right with God. So we're thankful that you came, that you so loved the world, that Christmas happened, that God showed up in a manger and will live a perfect life and die a death that we deserved and rise victorious from the grave three days later. We worship the risen Christ this morning. I thank you for this incredible opportunity to be in this building, to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus through song and scripture reading and preaching Lord, I ask that everything that's been sung and said and read today will not fall on deaf ears. That you will open ears to hear and people will realize that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I ask that people will leave here today understanding they are not condemned because Jesus was condemned for them. Those in here who are hurting today, maybe who have lost loved ones, who have a scary medical report, Whatever anxieties are happening in here today or sadness, Lord, as you are with them like you tell us, I ask you allow them to see the good news that our hope is not for this world only. But it's a hope for a world that is to come and will be forever because Jesus is alive. We thank you for this. We worship the name of the risen Jesus. And we ask that we will stand with the 12 disciples and the many Christians who have gone before us and proclaim that he is alive and because he is alive, he is worthy of our very lives. Lord, start with me. Forgive my casualness, my indifference. Lord, I want this to matter in my life because I believe it to be true. Let it be said of all of us. Thank you for our church. We thank you for all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.